0: Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network with your host Sanjo Gall. All comments, views and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall.
1: Hello and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. And the topic for today is a is HR ready for AI? And what we are talking about here is AI is going to have a a deep impact on human workforce performance, engagement, and growth. What changes in the people, processes, tools, and culture, and also leadership do we need within the HR department to gear up for this shift? And with this whole process, how can IT help? We have with us Laura Owens, who's the CHRO with Maxim Integrated. Hey, Laura, how are you?
2: I'm great, Sanjav. How are you today?
1: Very good. Could not be better. We're enjoying life, and I hope you're doing the same. So so basically, the topic we're talking here is is uh, AI, is, of course, is all the rave. I mean, people are going after it at the different industry level, different functions level. Every Every group wants to leverage it. But when it comes to AI, we have seen the adoption to be not on the slower side, but perhaps it's more at a conversational level versus going all-in. Would you say there's a reason of us being cautious or not moving as fast or not as deep with AI when it comes to HR function?
2: Well, I think there's a number of reasons why um, there, things may be a little slower. I think certain companies are way ahead on AI and, and are definitely trying to get it into every step of the employee lifecycle. Um, however there 's always the the issue of you know the return on the investment because HR typically is uh, a cost center, so you know we have to show the um, the benefit from a cost standpoint and uh, and sometimes that 's not that 's not easy for us and a lot of times we 're at the bottom of the list when it comes to i t projects so there are challenges uh, from a cost standpoint i think there's also challenges from a People standpoint. There, um, I was talking to a VP of engineering at another company uh, a couple weeks ago about AI that's been put into her workforce, and um, in this case, it feels like they've left out the people side. So, for example, she doesn't have any her own HR business partner. She's just told to go to Ask HR, uh, and which is this place on their internet and it's not intuitive. Um, The videos on how to use it are too long. It's hard to find. So I think sometimes we're jumping in, putting AI in too quickly and not remembering the people side. It has to be intuitive because if you're new to an organization, you you don't have any of the institutional knowledge on how to do something.
1: So given, like, and then you very rightly said that a lot of companies are just finding AI to be too shiny and they want to somehow utilize without knowing, how will it get adopted? And frankly, in some cases, mm-hmm. AI is also perceived as a threat, thinking that a digital worker might pose a threat to the human worker. Totally get mm-hmm. it and perfectly there. Now, that scope of adoption is, say, company-wide. But when we talk about the HR function itself, so, so essentially that group which helps get the most out of and also ensure the well-being of the very human resource mm-hmm. could also benefit at different levels when it comes to AI adoption. Whether you're dealing with some uh, aspects of a human performance within the company, or one someone is going to likely to leave the company, or someone who is going to be better positioned for promotion, and I, I can keep going with the different use cases, you might have many more where where AI could actually play a role, which means AI as a as an evolutionary. Technology could be utilized in the very, uh, as the very foundation of how the HR function operates and adds value for the rest of the company.
2: Uh, I Just agree. because as it's people, a technology. What you said at the beginning, people, people, some people are afraid their jobs are going to be replaced. Um, I read recently that you know two out of every five workers think their jobs going to go away from a robot. And the, the, the fact of the matter is, if you believe what the um, 2018 report from the um, um, World Economic Forum on Jobs came out to say that actually there's going to be more jobs created because of this, and, and so HR should not be worried about their jobs being replaced. Uh, in fact, they're going to need some new skills going forward because of this, but there's gonna, and there's going to be more jobs. This is not a job shortage at all being created by this. They're going to have to look at different opportunities in training and development, of course, because there are other jobs within an organization that are going to be automated. Another example, Pricewaterhouse suggested that up to 40% of an accountant's job can be automated, so how are we going to retrain that accountant in their new skills? Uh, so, within HR, there'll need to be those, those OD specialists, those training and development specialists. I read about a new job called an AI trainer, so there needs to be someone to train <laughs> the AI. Um, focusing on people and culture is going to be very, very important as we adopt more of this automation, Um, also read, uh, there's a position at Salesforce that I thought was really interesting. There's a chief ethical and humane officer, and and she focuses on practical uses of AI to ensure the trustworthiness within, within their organization. So, HR should not be afraid of it. They should... I like to say that you need to embrace the technology and leverage it to find a new way to deliver services because that will free you up to do, you know, higher level work around OD, OE, training and development, the people and culture within the organization. And, uh, um, and so I think it's an opportunity.
1: So, frankly, coming from you, who has been leading that function from such a prestigious organization, could give vote of confidence towards adopting AI for the internal function. Mm-hmm. But the reality on the ground is people are still wary. And you're dealing with human mish- motion of fear, and they really don't some see something concrete which they can uh, Used to both boost their confidence and allow AI in and actually embrace mm-hmm. it and be exploited if you will to our advantage, so what do we do beyond the 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 words of assurance coming from a seasoned leader like you on the ground which will yes. help them
2: Well, I think if you look at some uses of AI um, that are that are already in place, and you remember when virtual reality and art and um, um, AR were, were kind of new, and everybody was running around with those headsets on, and they thought it was going to be the next big thing, and it kind of slowed down, but in fact, in the workplace you 'll see it in use like for firefighters, for law enforcement, for places where you can put people into a dangerous situation through virtual reality, but not actually be in danger. Um, retail uses this as well Verizon uh uses a virtual reality to train its its uh, store uh, workers on what to do in case of a robbery something more positive Walmart also uses virtual reality when it's opening a new store so it does lots of training of the of new employees before the store is ready so that once they walk in the doors you're not wasting another couple weeks training your new your new employees they've already had that experience through VR um, there's, uh, I think, there's been automation of uh, uh, in recruiting that's been very uh, big, and uh, particularly when you see a volume happening of of, uh, of candidates and applicant flow, even today when jobs are hard to find or hard, sorry, hard to fill. Um, Hilton International, for example, uses a company called HireVue, H-I-H-I-R-E-V-U-E, and they have have uh, figured out how to. Reduce their time to fill from around 40 some days down to single digits, because they have this mass of of applicants for these, you know, for thousands of jobs, and the system can can um, screen them all in the initial steps, um, you know, simultaneously, effectively. And so, what happens is people, you, you don't actually get to a human until you've had three interactions with the computer. But it's, it's really sped things up. And in that case, Sanjog, you can, you can see the ROI, that you can make the sales, case, sales pitch to the organization. The sooner you get jobs filled, the faster time to productivity, the, the better the return on the investment, and, of course, the, you know, the, the top-line revenues coming in.
1: So the, the business, the way you at least said this, made your last statement, does it look like that there's an uphill battle? to convince the business to say, yes, while you're investing in AI and Mm -hmm. in other areas where it shows an obvious use case for you to be able to generate better revenue. But even though there is a very practical, on the ground, positive, uh, I would say, possibilities of using uh, Mm -hmm. AI in the HR function, do you still have to fight tooth and nail for this? I mean, is the business not getting it? That people is the main asset that they have to be able to capitalize and AI can help you? I think the business gets it. There's
2: just competing. There's competing needs, right, for for limited resources. So, you know, there are probably you're probably going to get your more resources for making sure the payroll systems are set up correctly because you want to make sure people are paid correctly. Um, than you are for a, a you know an an I um, something with respect to being able to predict someone's uh, turnover, right? So. The, the challenge is, and I've done this successfully, is really building the business case. You build the business case, you look at how much it's going to cost, you look at what the return on that investment is, and in, in many cases I have leaders who don't like to hear about soft dollar returns, they want to see the hard dollar returns, and so, um you know we we find a way to build that i partner with finance there i always find them very very helpful it is also very helpful because i'm not the it specialist but building that business case and then never giving up you know sometimes it's a matter of taking small steps to you know make to make changes incrementally and um, and you build from there
1: what would you think if you were to really dream and dream big about say the the version of HR you will see when AI is fully adopted, what would something like like that look like? What would that department look like when it has fully harnessed the value of ai oh that 's a great that 's a really good question
2: i think it 's probably back to what I said earlier it 's really around how do you leverage it across the employee life cycle? How do you use it so employees have direct access to information, things they need, let's say from an onboarding, from the onboarding standpoint of, you know, um, one work stream um, from being a candidate to being an employee to, to uh, you know, their first day on the job and, and making sure it's all done really, really well. You know, how can we leverage it from a, a workforce planning standpoint so we can, we can um, predict in advance. How do right now? One of the questions I'm looking at is skills within within Maxim. We know that it's going to be a market for skills and not necessarily for jobs. We're going to need lots of new skills. So how do I do a skills inventory, and then you know, and then predict, think about what skills I'm going to need in the future, and then make sure that people are getting trained. With For those new skills at the right time, taking into consideration where they are, where they are in their own you know life cycle, are they ready to retire or not retire? Um, so there's just some workforce planning that would be really cool because once you have that analytics, then it frees up your time to do to do the to make the decisions to look at the org effectiveness um, I can talk about every every part of the life cycle if you want me to, Um There's you know talent acquisition, um, just being able to to um, you know get through that pile of candidates that we used to get hard copy resumes for, and then you'd you'd create your A B C piles of who you want to interview and who you don't. And then you'd have to do individual one on one screening. If you can get through all of that quickly and then get to the actual person, so you can. Can screen out the people you shouldn't be talking to and make sure you don't screen out people that you do want to talk to. So you, there's all the issues around, you know, how do you limit unco- unconscious bias from that interview um, process? So I'm going to take a breath now, but <laughs> this, this could be really cool.
1: Yeah, so um, if you were to look at all the different aspects, one of the natural tendency for most of us, and that would include HR and other functions, is to use AI, but the first gut reaction is to automate versus Mm -hmm. a cognitive and intelligence orientation of Mm -hmm. use of AI. Are we falling into the same trap that let's look for efficiency and top line instead of top line growth instead look for uh, instead we are looking for savings because you can only mm-hmm. save so much you can only squeeze out so much juice from a penny but there is a lot more to be done in terms of building value so that the top line growth increases does hr connect to because hr traditionally seen as a cost so is the natural mm-hmm. uh, reward or or rather or rather a value creation from hr will be or savings of cost or could you connect or do something with ai so that you can directly say hey you know what i invested in ai and i got the company to grow and you can prove mm-hmm.
2: it yeah that's, that's always the, the question, the, the million-dollar question, can you prove it? There's two ways that I believe HR contributes to top-line growth. One is, sh- one is short-term effectiveness, and one is a longer-term uh, effectiveness. In the short term, it's really about the talent acquisition. You've got to make sure you get people hired, the right ones hired, not just anyone hired, So, but the right people hired. And get them to move, you know, time to productivity as quickly as possible. The sooner you have them on board, the sooner they're performing. There's a, there's a direct line to that top line growth. On the, on the longer term, and uh, where you see companies like, uh, startup companies like Gloat, I don't know if you heard of Gloat, they, Gloat offers services to build internal talent markets. How do you develop your your current talent in order to have them ready for their for the for the skills that are going to be needed in the future? There's a skill shortage, so it's not like we can run out and say, you know what? I don't need this kind of engineer anymore. I need this kind of engineer. So I'm just going to get rid of hire. I'm going to lay off the people I don't need and hire new ones. You're not going to be able to hire new ones because there's a short. There's going to be a shortage in skills going forward. Um, and if you know if you believe what the world economic forum is saying about the fact that 54% of our workforce currently are should be retrained now and only 30% of those are getting the training so there's a gap so the best thing to do is how do you figure out using the um using ai to ana- you know analyze your current workforce to have it you know identify um, you know, where there are gaps and where there are opportunities, whether it's, you know, from an aging population and you're going to lose some skills, or, which is a very simple thing, um, to something more complex and and then that allows you as a as an OD specialist as somebody who's into develop training and development to then build the classes to build the training for those individuals to make decisions about where to locate um, you know the, the workforce in the future. So the um, I I think for those two things where I connect both you know talent acquisition and onboarding and quickly time to productivity, as well as long-term development for your current workforce, those are the two ways that um, HR can directly impact um, revenue.
1: Now, let's think about uh, where there is hope and there is positivity. There's a business case. There is revenue. If everything falls in place, do you think are the people within HR ready in terms of actually being able to run with it? Because Many different business functions, when they try to start with AI, they have some perceptions, some myths, some -hmm. some, uh, overly cautiously optimistic uh, approach to AI. But then when they are going forward with it, they really don't know what to do with it. And frankly, it is so new that we don't know if the trainer exists on what to do with it. Mm So are the people equipped or do, do we know even how to equip or get your own HR staff ready and its own leadership ready to be able to use it, even though the business says, yes, go ahead and do what you have to do?
2: Yeah, well that's that's another really good question. I'm gonna confess that, that probably my own HR team is not as ready as they should be. Um and as a as a matter of fact, you know, I was looking back on having joined Maxim about two and a half years ago and realized that I was really focused on Maxim and some issues challenges that we had here and grow you know, growing the top line and lots of things were happening at the company that I was ignoring my own. Um Uh, education in what's happening outside of the company, of what's happening in, uh, uh, technology within HR. So I've spent the last few months getting myself more up to date and so I believe it takes a concerted effort to make sure you're always knowing what's coming down the road so that you can be the you can bring the best of human resources to your organization. And uh, I, I need to I need to do more with my own team around this. Even though we have a solid HRAS group here at Maxim and I have some very talented people within the organization, we all have to be more proactive about what it is how we're going to embrace AI, how we're going to unleash this digitization and some of the data analytics so that you can widely deploy it across your organization in an effective way. Otherwise, you end up with the conversation I was having with this VP of engineering a while ago about her struggles with um, you know, as a customer of HR and the AI product that they've launched for them.
1: Would you say are there any specific gaps that one must try to fill knowing the tradition or the history of the HR function and the gaps that we know HR people may have, whether or not they ask for it.
2: So I don't know that, understand, I don't say, repeat your question again. I'm not so, sure I'm so,
1: understanding. So, yeah, so I'm saying like do, do the HR people, uh, w- what what would you say on the ground, like you said, you are going to work on helping develop your HR people to get up to speed. Mm-hmm. Well, what is it? What is it that they need to get up to speed? What is that ground level preparation uh, that these people need what is let 's go to the specific what What would you fix in your team or what do you think any company which is you going to use uh, AI for their h r function? What does that h uh, r team needs to get up to speed with it?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's three. You know, there's three challenges there. First and foremost is, I uh, just mentioned, is understanding how the technology, how AI is actually impacting human resources. You have to understand what's happening in in the rest of the world. What, you know, whether it's through attending conferences, doing a lot of reading. There's a lot of information out there about um, how, you know, about digital HR um, and about, you know, artificial intelligence. So you have to really understand how it's impacting your business. There are things that, you know, you will work for one company that won't work for another. So you got to think about it within your own HR organization, your own company. And then, then you have to look at, I think, and this is where I am within my own HR team, is what additional skills, what are the reskilling pathways for HR? So what is it that um, um, our talent acquisition team needs to understand about, how to leverage this within recruiting so that they can be more efficient? Um, how do we? I've got I started um, um, with one of my direct reports who works out of the Philippines. Um, she's going to lead workforce planning for Maxim. So within that that. Um, Assignment or <laughs> that responsibility, she has to look at you know what's happening with it, with AI led measure me, AI led measurements and and predictable reasoning. So is there something there that can help help us be more efficient with our workforce planning uh, going forward? So it's so how do you reskill these? Create reskilling pathways for the folks within HR, and then once you know what those are, you can then just you're just about rolling it out, right? You're building the HR capabilities to lead this change, uh, and and they get the education. So it's that three-step plan: understanding the technology, how it's impacting, identifying the reskilling pathways, and then executing against those those skill work those new skill requirements.
1: Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And uh, Laura, when we come back, let's talk about this interesting world of digital worker. Mm -hmm. So robotic process automation combined with uh, cognitive automation, all of that is going to lead to having a bunch of digital workers or bots Who will go about doing things and they are literally being positioned as if they are another worker sitting beside a human worker. Yes. Imagine that to be dealt with and not just uh, AI used as a tool, but actually there are, uh, you know, ethical issues how would you compare performance of a digital worker versus uh, a human worker? How would you get them to work alongside each other or, or, or kind of having those type of interesting, unprecedented scenarios that you have to deal with? Is there, a, um, is there something that we are doing to lay down the foundation on how, if a digital worker does something wrong, how do you deal with it? Because there is no one to blame. How do you discipline?
2: How do you fire a digital worker?
1: <laughs> yep, right? And then if there are certain things in which there is a handoff between a digital and a human worker, who who takes responsibility? Who takes ownership of what happens? So I'm, I'm just kind of putting some scenarios in front of you. Mm-hmm. And, and we can go on and on on this particular subject. But do we know how to tackle this. And if if there has been some discussions around it, what are we thinking so that we are not just going to jump in it clueless? Please stay tuned listeners, we'll be right back and discuss.
0: You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com.
1: Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Laura, digital versus human worker. Interesting, fascinating, or also intimidating because we don't know what the heck we are going to do in different situations. We don't have a rule book. What do you think we should do with this?
2: Uh, it, it is very interesting because I think it depends on what your interaction with that digital worker is. So um, let's use an example of, um, of a DBS bank. So DBS bank in Singapore um, created its first virtual bank recruiter um, in Southeast Asia, and the two recruiters had zero experience with AI, which always made me feel better, you know, because I say you don't have to be an IT expert to, 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 you know, embrace digital HR. They found a startup company that helped them with this, and they created something called Jim, called Jobs Intelligent Maestro. Um, designed to help them with a big growth spurt, 40% growth. But this this gym, um, pre-screened candidates, reviewed CVs, asked questions of the candidates, and conducted psychometric testing. The cool thing was this interaction, of course, with the candidates, they would... See responses from candidates that said, "Thanks, Jim. Great conversation. Have a great day." So the experience of the, the candidate—they thought they were talking to a person or working with a person, which seemed to be really successful <laughs> for them. Uh, but then, who's responsible, right? To your point, if you're on the employee side, if you're on the employer side, and I think at the end of the day, you're—you know—because people uh, people make a company. It, we're, we're not going to be eliminating. There's not going to be a job shortage. We still need to have people do things. And so there still has to be someone who's ultimately responsible for how the digital worker behaves or doesn't behave or doesn't act. You can't even, let's think about an onboarding example, you, you know, you'd know, you love to have one work stream where the candidate you know, keys in their information or scans in their information into a system and then it just keeps going through the interview process and all that data and that good information goes into the, the database when they become an employee. That's nice, one work stream, but you still have to have somebody on top and monitoring this and making sure it's right. I read somewhere that um, someone likes to call AI augmented intelligence rather than artificial intelligence, and I like that concept because it's augmented to the human side. You've, you've, there's got to be ultimately a, a human responsible for this, and uh, if you're not having someone responsible making sure the customer, our customers, our employees are getting a good are getting a good um, experience, um, if you're not worried about as a coworker, right? So I have a digital worker that I'm sitting next to, I guess, <laughs> or they're in the computer <laughs> next to me. Um, that employee has to have a good experience, and and if, again, if you don't have someone who's accountable for it, um, you're going to you're going you're you're not going to be as productive. And I'm back to talking about this this job that I just think is so cool at Salesforce, where some where they've identified their their chief ethics officer to focus on. AI to make sure it's trustworthy. Um, And so people are recognizing that. And I think, Sanjog, on the other side of what you were talking about, there are, there are people who are still worried about it. So Illinois, for example, has banned the use of AI in video interviews. So there's still some controversy over whether it's going to um, have some sort of bias around it. And we just have to – there's supposed to be a human intervention to make sure that this all works really well and you're getting the value out of the investment that you're making into this augmented intelligence.
1: So interestingly, I was just about to ask you about this whole bias thing because – if you have a digital worker alongside you and it is left to do what it's supposed to do, we have this hunch, not always proven, but a hunch that it might create bias because it has been seen that it does create bias when it just picks up data automatically because the people who had coded yeah. this, in a way, they don't... Um, naturally or deliberately created a bias in it, but somewhere the bias is popping up as far as the results go. But then on the other hand, when we put a human to eventually take a decision after getting the AI to produce some results, then this individual could be culprit in introducing bias and blaming AI for it because you're calling Mm -hmm. it augmented. How would a person sitting... In the ivory tower, or you at the leadership position, and it could have, you know, of course, ramifications for all parties involved. how would you differentiate? Where did this bias come to?
2: Well there's a there's a few things you can do because you know, we all know all of you know, some of the programs that are happening these days, if you you know, you Google engineer, you get a whole bunch of men <laughs> pictures until before you get to a female. So and it's just because of who has actually programmed um, the system and it's unconscious, it's not intentional. So I think one of the best ways to address this is through audits and this is again where humans come in. You know, are are you from a recruiting standpoint, um Get you know screening out a whole bunch of people who are not qualified. Are you only getting male candidates or only female candidates, or is there or is the or the ratio the percentage is not equal to the available qualified population in the location? So in electrical engineering, there's probably 13 to 16 percent women in electrical engineering, and are we getting that same ratio out of uh, when we hire, uh, and are, or are we screening out? Yeah, uh, certain based on some sort of bias that that got unintentionally fed into the system. I think the that's going to be one way that you're going to be able to address it. Um, and then of course there're going to be these AI trainers, so the people who actually feed the data to the intelligence, we're going to have to train them on how to make sure that they're putting the right information in there and they're not their own biases are not getting in there.
1: See, the examples that you took are are great examples and they are in a way talking about, say, field staff or middle management at most. Mm-hmm. But there are instances where an algorithm or our AI-based solution of sorts is actually on the board of a company or as an executive leader. They're actually using that as one of the Major shareholder, or rather, someone who has a voting right. Mm-hmm. So when you when you take it to that level, how are you going to mess with or deal with an AI-driven executive member? Because they still fall under HR, but they are in a very you know they're far up in the pay grade, if you will.
2: So you so you're suggesting that we might have, say, a vice president of engineering or a CEO who's actually an a, an AI and not a person,
1: a digital worker Yes, and, and it, it is actually true for a company. Uh, we, we had another show on, on AI, and there was an individual who had shared an actual company where on the board of directors they of one of the seats of the to was given <laughs> to an AI bot.
2: That is so cool. I, yes. you know and if i if i treat a digital worker the same way i'm going to treat a, you know a human worker it's it's going to be you know are they are they doing the job that we hired them to do are they providing the services that we were paying them so to speak to do and if they are not or if they are you know, or if they're they're going off the rails in some way, or they're not being productive, or they're being counterproductive, then we would eliminate them. I think the same way. Um, so you can, uh, you know, it's an easier termination because you can just switch them off, I guess, <laughs> than with a human. Um, but that's you know that that's going back to building lots and lots of trust for the people who have to interact with them to make sure that. If they are a truly valued AI in that role, that you're getting the va- that you're accepting the value from them. If they're if you don't trust that this this um, executive uh, who is who is who truly an artificial intelligence is going to give you what you need, then you're you're wasting a lot of time and effort to have them on in that role. Cause I can just see humans just saying, "I don't trust it. I don't have to deal with that." Um, So there's going to have to be a lot of trust built in and proving that they are doing the right thing and proving to you. It's almost almost like with me and these self-driving cars. I would love to have a self-driving car, but I want to make sure it really, really works before I actually get in one (laughs) and put my life um, at risk behind the wheel of a car that's being driven by
1: automation. So when you're looking at... uh... You know, the HR function. Yeah, we are going to mm-hmm. talk about AI. And we've been talking about AI, how you utilize it. Is HR ready for AI? But is mm-hmm. HR ready for the new world ahead? And if yes, what is that new world? So think about this whole digital thing happening. AI is not the only thing happening to us. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of different phenomena coming together. What is the shape or what is the role will AI play? Is that fundamentally morphing? Are the fundamental workflows and processes and the asks of from AI, are they morphing? Because you'll supply or, or slap on a tool like AI, if that's what we're going to call it. But eventually mm-hmm. the end and deliverable also has to be met. But what is that deliverable going to be in the new age that we are living and where it's going?
2: Well, I think, you know, I think HR is in a really great position to be able to address this because we, we're we one of the, if, if you don't count finance, but I don't think I count them in this regard, <laughs> that we're uniquely positioned to see across the whole organization. We interact with all the functions, all locations, all employees. We know about our shareholders and our and our customers. So we're able to see the opportunities that I think that that no one else in the organization can really see. And so, from an HR standpoint, you know, are we looking at how we deconstruct jobs? Can we identify tasks that that can be best performed by AI? And then, most importantly, for our employees, reskilling those. Those um, that talent whose work is being subsumed by by artificial intelligence. How do you repurpose them? How do you? Are you and are you are you um, uh, thinking about continuous career development and lifelong learning? There's so many the automation and the it's moving so quickly that we all have to keep up with with our with our own skills and make sure that we understand what's happening and where it's going so that we can embrace it. Um, you know, there's. There's a few examples out there, like um, I was reading about a major oil, ga- oil and gas company um, that they had, they had deconstructed their workers' jobs and um, redeployed some of the tasks to AI and then constructed new jobs out of all of this. They did this without laying anyone off because the talent had higher skills. Their pay actually went up around 10%. And then the revenue for the company, because um, of, of how, they were, how they had redeployed this talent, they were actually seeing um, about a 50% increase in, um, uh, in revenue per rig. So it was a win for everyone when it's done right, which is what really excites me about AI in the workplace.
1: So if you were to look at uh, the help you need, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you, are, you seem to be a strong leader yourself, and I'm sure you're building a strong team. But good leaders are both confident, but they're also not afraid to show their vulnerabilities and say, folks, mm-hmm. I need somebody to step up and help us. What do you think are the areas where HR leaders and their people should start asking for help versus coming across as heroes and not be mm-hmm. able to deliver to what they're supposed to
2: Yeah, I always I do like to start out with change in small increments. Sometimes you have to, you know, prove that you're right in small ways for people to take bigger risks on larger projects with you. And and change is something that HR is very very comfortable with. It's actually our superpower, uh, I think, because we're comfortable with the uncomfortable. We have to talk to employees about you know difficult conversations, helping managers with difficult employees. So. We should already be good about pushing the boundaries um, of organizational agility. Now that said, you know what are the small ways to be able to convince people who are not necessarily, you know, as as future looking as you are? Particularly when you when you've got leaders who are looking quarter to quarter, they have shareholders they have to take care of because always the short term will always trump the long term. So it's it's back to you know can can you divide out the employee life cycle for example on exit interviews, you know you, we always want to retain people um, as long as we can our best talent and so but they leave sometimes so is are there ways where you can can um, uh, collate that person's knowledge because there's a lot of stuff that goes out the, do- the door when they leave to build job specs for new hires. Can you can you start there? Can you you know um, just again in small ways uh, to embrace AI to show that it's possible, and then I think then people will be more comfortable with it, and and you'll be able to get more and more.
1: HR is expected to always have answers ethical issues, or whatever other issues, right? They're almost expected mm-hmm. to be superhumans or, or having the superpowers to, to ultimately put an issue to rest. Mm-hmm. But isn't it asking too much? Is it not putting too much pressure on HR, given the changing times and the changing landscapes? What help should somebody else offer you folks so that you can also grow... And get time to grow and have the breather and actually be able to realistically become a superhero versus having to not exactly fake fake like one or are having the mm-hmm. pressure to wear that persona
2: sure i and 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 you know we're not h r we're not i t experts most of us don't have you know an engineering degree and so we always have to rely on, you know, the experts in IT. We have to, you know, rely on some of these startups that are coming that can help us show the way. We have to, um, you know, rely on, um, you know, even our leadership to be able to talk about what it is that the business is doing. How how are all these changes in, not just impacting HR, but impacting the business? Um, because we know that there's, there's just so much happening in the technology world, whether it's automation, uh, whether it's um, uh, artificial intelligence, virtual reality. There's so much happening. And it's happening, and the pace of change is so fast that if I worry sometimes that if the business is not clearly aware of how those changes are going to impact them, that they're going to be at a competitive disadvantage very, very quickly. So, um, you know, one of, one of the things that, that we do really well in HR is influence um, because we really can't tell people what to do unless it's unsafe, unlawful, or unethical. So we have to leverage that influence to help educate the leadership if they're not seeing it. You know, bring in your experts from IT who who are fabulous at this and um, and then, again, make that business case for why embracing AI, unleashing that digitalization is really going to make a difference and, um, uh, and, and drive to the, either the top-line growth or if you're looking to reduce costs, there are ways to reduce costs to leverage this as well. So whatever the corporate goals are.
1: Now you mentioned that we are not the greatest or HR is not the greatest in technology. Totally yeah. understand and, and, and acceptable. Now, for how long, can we play that card and or not come up, become enough comfortable with it? Because more and more of business function-related processes and workflows will be mm-hmm. IT-enabled in some form, AI or non-AI. Oh, yeah, and you're, you're absolutely rec- right. Yeah.
2: You're absolutely right, and uh, you know for a long time and the way I got involved in embrace in the concept of, of really having to embrace technology you know for the longest time, HR was always at the bottom of the IT priority list you know they 'd run out of money before they got to HR and uh, at a company I worked for a few several years ago, I, I as the VP of HR, I was also the system administrator to implement success factors, so <laughs> I think from, a, from the, some of the companies that were designing the, the, you know, some of this new HR software and technology, and I believe they recognized that it has to be simple to use and easy to implement, uh, whether it was success factors at the time or some of the new um, uh, startups that are out there because they recognize that HR is not always at the top of the list when it comes to funding for IT projects. Um, so, But that doesn't mean that we don't have to know what's happening, and we don't have to be able to recognize the value of... A tool to be able to deliver the results we're looking for.
1: Now, if if HR leaders, they are you are sending the rest of the organization to training and or um, some form of external education or some sort of help mm-hmm. is being offered. Where are you supposed to send your own people to? Besides, of course, HR people meeting other HR people.
2: Well I think the HR it's not just about meeting other HR people because um you want to look for other opportunities to be creative. Um, you want to of course, you know, know that there are companies out there like Siemens who's working very hard to, you know, upskill its employees. I was reading about them the other day, but you also have to know, for example, I use the example of the oil and gas company where they deconstructed the job. So, if you're you got to look at your other industries and what's happening there. You have to pay attention to some of the the startups and see what how it's just about be, how do you be creative? How do you take other people's ideas in an out, out of context way and apply them to you? So it's it's you know going to the HR conferences, but it's also going to the um, the, the the ones that are around artificial intelligence and and you know digitization, digitalization in general. Um, so it's beyond just the HR scope, and to see how it's being used in robotics in factories. And uh, in, in the HR world as well, because you've got with that broad scope, you can then, it's, a, it's how you be creative. You see how something's being applied one way and then you can bring it back to your own organization.
1: So if you look at other executive functions like CIOs, lately we've seen people from industry are becoming CIOs because mm-hmm. that industry related know-how really goes a long way in how you're going to run the IT function. And then sometimes people will switch roles they were uh, from different departments they would go to um i t or i t guy would go to the c f o et cetera et cetera. Mm-hmm. We don't see as many people embracing the h r function from outside. Do you think that's a good idea? Do you think people from outside perspective maybe from different industry or different business function if they were to assume leadership position? They would bring um, not just a different perspective for the sake of it being different, but maybe help elevate the HR function itself because they will see it from a different light, they will get the HR people to look beyond the four walls of HR
2: yeah well, and I have always said that that HR is um, it's not just <laughs> It's not just personnel, that the goals of HR are the goals of the business, that I happen to be a business person who has an expertise in, human, in the human resources function. So to be able to rotate positions through the, the role or to bring other people into this role from IT or from legal or from, you know, uh, someone who's been running a PNL. and l absolutely. I was actually just thinking about that the other day, about, you know, is, is, as you do um, your um, – um, succession planning, you know how do you get your leaders that time in the on the, um, in the more human side of the world uh, to to get that experience because I think it 's critical for them to be successful if they if they really do want to be say CEO and so you can um, I think it would be great to do that i 've done that in other companies or i 've seen it done in other companies long 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 time ago. Um, but I think you're right. People are becoming spe- very much becoming specialists in what they do. And so how do you move someone from a CIO role into an HR role and vice versa? But it definitely can be done and probably should be done more. I like that idea. I'm going to take it, Sanjog.
1: <laughs> <laughs> definitely. So, so one last question for you is if you were to write a playbook on AI-enabled transformation, or rather um, fundamentally rethinking how HR function works for it to be relevant for the business that they are in. What mm-hmm. would that playbook look like? What would be that you know, top chapter's read?
2: Well, I think um, first and foremost, I mentioned earlier, understanding how automation is going to impact your business, how AI is going to impact your business. There's not going to be a shortage of jobs. It's going to be a shortage of skills. In the future, because of the pace of change that technology is having on the workplace, no matter, you know, it's going to transform where people work, it's going to create new categories of jobs. Um, There's so much happening, you've got to really understand how that's going to impact your business. So start there. Then once you understand how it's going to impact your business, then you can take a look at your workforce We know that um, uh, people are not getting the training that they need to keep up with this, this skill, with the reskilling that's needed, and HR is in that unique position to be able to fix that. And the challenge I have for folks in HR is that, The 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 ones who are who are most at risk of of having their you know position being displaced by some of this are the least likely to receive any retraining at all. So how do you make sure that you are extending your workforce to these new productivity enhancing roles and making sure that you're you're leading in the creation of these new roles within your within your organization and and not leaving behind um, anyone. In this, in this change. And, and HR is uniquely positioned to be able to manage that and embrace the technology at the same time. So you take care of the human side with the, you know, making sure people get the skills they need, and you also take care of the automation, the benefits of digital, work for digital workers, the, bed, the benefits of AI that should make the company much more productive and efficient and effective to drive those top-line results. So you've got to look at both sides of the equation.
1: On behalf of the show and our listeners, thanks so much, Laura, for sharing your views on how organizations can help and work together with their respective AI de- HR departments where they can leverage AI for, for the benefit of all parties involved and especially help the HR function to embrace AI to the best. Thanks so much.
2: Oh, thank you for this opportunity. I had a, it was a great conversation. I really
1: enjoyed it. Thanks so much again, and uh, listeners, hope you got some nuggets out of this. Please like us on Facebook, search for CTN, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and join our LinkedIn group. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless.